Yo! Welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We are brought to you by Aurelio's Pizza. Hooray! It's the sauce. You know it. You love it. Go to Homewood and get one out of the old oven. If you don't live in Homewood, there are plenty of locations. All you have to do is check Aurelio's.com. Get yourself some good pizza with some great sweet sauce and perfect blend of cheeses. And I'm getting hungry right now, even though it's the morning when I'm recording this. Nothing wrong with a little morning pizza, right? Maybe you save a couple pieces of Aurelio's and then you... Heat it up in the morning for a little breakfast pizza. That's an idea. Aurelio's Pizza. It's the sauce. I always like when people are willing to come back and hang out on the podcast. And I really like it when people come back and hang out on the podcast because they've got something new and exciting. They've ventured into something new and I can talk to them about it. And that's the situation with Jay Zawoski. Jay Zawoski and I have known each other, God, a quarter century now. Like that's that's pretty crazy. But um, we've known each other for a really long time. And there's a big portion of that time that is spent with me, um, I guess friendly. Friendly might be, be a, a way of saying it. Friendly kind of kicking him in the butt because I've always thought that his hockey coverage was tremendous. And I always thought that he was someone that was hiding, hiding behind being a producer when he could be talent. And the Chicago market, even now, doesn't have enough quality hockey coverage. And the thing about Jay that I think is so special, and one of the reasons why I wanted him to challenge himself to be talent, is he has a very similar ability to Joe Ostrowski. Joe is able to take sports betting content stuff that seems complicated and make it easy for people who aren't in it every day like he is. I think that's part of the reason that Joe has become a go-to person in the sports betting world because he can translate the jargon of sports betting and put it a way that people who are casual sports bettors or don't even do sports betting. He makes it entertaining. Jay is the same way when it comes to hockey. He's like the hockey whisperer. He can get as in the weeds as you want. If 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 you want to start talking about neutral zone traps and all sorts of stuff, Jay can go there with you. He can do it with the best of you. He can break down hockey statistics, and he can talk about it from the standpoint of 
the coaching aspects of the game. He can also make it plain. He can get you, even if you aren't necessarily a hockey fan, to understand and care about the things that he cares about. It's a, it's a skill. It's a skill. And as a station, the score, we really leaned on Jay for that stretch of time that I refer to as Camelot for the Blackhawks. And I talk about that inside of this conversation of, of defining like when Camelot started and ended for the Blackhawks. He was doing every show, helping people out, taking calls, doing post games, all sorts of stuff. And I, I, I think that he's the best at it. And yeah, I'm biased. Like I, I adore Jay. He's a quali- quality human being as Herbie would say. But he's built this thing, him and James Naveau. I got to get Naveau on the pot, too, at some point. I really like Naveau. They built that Madhouse podcast, and they did it in a way and at a time when Blackhawks fans were desperate for coverage. And not just anyone saying anything about the Blackhawks. They wanted someone that was going to be able to drift between the world of covering the team honestly and the emotional baggage that a fan base carries. And Jay was able to do that. What he built with the Madhouse podcast is incredible. And I'm glad that this turned out to be something that a labor of love that ended up being kind of lucrative for him. Jay took a job working at WBBM and he was in charge of their podcast and he left the score and went to BBM. It was weird for us because we would see him every day and we'd see him in the hallway and he had on collared shirts instead of t-shirts now, but he had an office and the whole nine yards and I thought that it was a good move for him to go from an executive producer job where he does have on-air responsibilities to being the guy in charge of podcasting. Clearly, the guy knows podcasting because look at what he's built with Madhouse. I thought it was a really good call, and it gave him an opportunity to do some things that he cares about. Jay is up-to-date on what's happening in the world of news. He cares about Chicago. And I think that it um, it bared out in some of the work that he did in a short time of being in charge of podcasting for WBBM. But the CHGO opportunity came along, and Jay struggled with this. He struggled with, am I ready to go do this five days a week? Do I want to leave the security of what was a really good job at WBBM? And I think that he's found himself. It's always scary when you jump out into a new venture. Even with established companies, it's scary. But when you're talking about a company that isn't as established 
and you're jumping in with both feet, it can be terrifying. And there have been horror stories in media, both nationally and locally, on things that start and then they fall apart. So far, CHGO has done a good job of like finding a niche and being that internet like conduit and doing the for fans and having the audio video representation for each fan base in Chicago. I'm glad that they are doing a Chicago Sky. Like they're really like their coverage of the Chicago Sky I think is is fantastic and they've made a lot of good hires over there. And one of them is Jay Zawaski, but that that doesn't mean that there isn't risk. And Jay understands what that risk is. I'm happy that my friend has found some success getting in front of things instead of being behind the scenes. And I love, like, listening back to this before I posted it, I love the confidence that I hear in Jay's voice. I love that I'm hearing a guy who has figured out that he is a valuable member of the sports landscape in Chicago. And he's being rewarded as such. And he deserves it, and he's earned every damn bit of it. So this is my conversation with Jay Zawoski, now of CHGO. And I asked him, what was it that made him leave the comfort of working for Odyssey and joining CHGO on the House of L podcast? I had given up on the dream of covering the Blackhawks full-time and making the Blackhawks my life um, shortly after the 2015 season because I had been leading the Hawks coverage on the station through three Stanley Cups. I had established myself uh, as a voice uh, for Hawks fans that was frankly missing. We've been through this before. We've been had this conversation before. But um, when nothing really came during the dynasty, I was sort of like, okay, well, you know, they're, they're sort of arrow pointed down. So I'm, it's never going to be my full-time thing. So that's what birthed the Madhouse podcast was I needed to fill this void that was there because there were a whole bunch of new Hawks fans that had no one giving them the information that they wanted. They did not have the analysis they wanted uh, that was professional sounding. Sure, there were some Hawks podcasts out there, but they were, you know, two and a half hours of inside jokes and 20 minutes of analysis, right? So to to provide the audience an in-depth, professionally produced professionally hosted podcast um, was something I always wanted to do. And then that had success, but still nothing really came of it um, beyond that. It was just kind of very consistent. You know, the numbers would go up, but not huge. You know, I had a very steady audience. So first week of February, I have COVID. Um, And, you know, it was mild, but I had two or three days where I just was like, I just want to lay here. I don't want to do anything. So Brandon Spano who is the owner and CEO of All City, which is an overarching company that owns CHGO and DNVR and PHNX, um, reached out uh, via email and said, hey, you know, I've got, I got this great opportunity for you. I would love to talk to you. I'm like, 
okay, I've, I've heard this before many times. Yes. Right. Right. Um, and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm down with COVID right now. Let's talk next week. I'm trying to push it away. Right. Push it away. Push away. So um, he writes again. Hey, man, hope you're feeling better. Still would love to, to talk to you about this opportunity. So I'm like, cool. So I put, I put aside a half hour during a lunch break when I was at WBBM. And just like his enthusiasm for it was kind of infectious. And honestly, like, you know, full transparency, incredibly aggressive in terms of um, what they were offering uh, financially and opportunity wise, Um, the opportunity to to sell the podcast feed um, for another substantial sum was interesting. The fact that he wanted James Naveau to come with me and was super open to that. And I know we'll get to that in a little bit here. <laughs> That's the, kind of been the elephant in a room since this whole thing happened. Um, so definitely got my attention. And I was very happy at BBM. I loved it. I loved what I was doing. I knew that it was a job I could have for a long time. For sure. Um, I had established, um, and you know me, like no one believes in me less than me. Um, <laughs> that is the truth. Yeah. So, but I knew I could tell just like in meetings we would have with my counterparts in other cities that I was one of the leaders of the group of people like on my level. So I felt like in a year or two, there was certainly some sort of promotion coming my way, maybe to like Odyssey national or something. So I knew this was something I could do for a while. So really weighing that opportunity talking to hope about it we are not big risk takers you know uh we were comfortable we were happy at bbm 21 years with odyssey is it's a good thing significant good, solid company that's not going anywhere right um so initially the agreement was i was going to sell chgo my the madhouse podcast feed and then do the show twice a week with James Naveau and then Greg Boyce and Mario Tirbasi would do the other three. That was the original agreement. Um, the WBBM agreed, like, cool, that sounds good. You're just going to keep doing what you were doing. Wonderful. So Thursday, March, th- or yeah, I think Thursday, March 3rd, I'm sorry if my numbers are wrong, is the, the day um, where, was the day after everybody sent out that teaser video. Yeah, I remember. Okay, so everyone that was joining CHGO had the little teaser video. The next day was rehearsals. So we go to rehearsal, we do like a fake show. And me and Greg and Mario wrap it up. And I'm like, I should have taken this job. Like you felt the energy of it. Yeah, I should have done this full time. Like to walk in day one, super impressed with the production. They've got everybody from Denver there to make sure things are going smoothly. People just know what the hell they're doing there. Like Kevin Kaduk and uh, Jake Flanagan are the Chicago leadership. Super impressive guys. I spent a ton of time talking to. I talked to half a dozen people from the company uh, in PHNX and DNVR who all raved about the company. um, And I had still kind of balked at it. Um, So, like, man, okay. I wish I'd taken it, but whatever. This is the best of both worlds. That Friday is official launch day at CHGO. And 
uh, Ron Gleason, my boss at PBM, comes in and he goes, tell me a little bit more about this this thing you're doing. I'm like, oh yeah, well, it's a podcasting company. There's a video element. We go live and then it shows releases of podcasts. All right. A little while later, he comes in. He's like, you're not going to like what I have to tell you, but the company doesn't want you to do the podcast anymore. So the deal's already done. I've already sold the Madhouse podcast feed. It's been signed off on. I have a uh, contract language from BBM telling me I can still do the podcasts. It's not a signed contract. It's the the structure skeleton of the structure that says that. So they say, you know, we don't want you doing this anymore. Not Ron. I think it was the people above Ron did not want me doing it anymore because they saw CHGO's competition. And he said, by the way, here's your contract. Look it over over the weekend. Finally, the contract was done with this part taken out. Um, meanwhile, I was getting ready to leave for Florida <laughs> that next day. Simultaneously, James gets a similar uh, note from NBC saying, hey, we're not comfortable with you doing this anymore. We don't want you to do it. James is very happy with his job at NBC. James lives in Kankakee. So traveling five days a week to Chicago is not really in the cards for him anyway. Right. Um, So he has to decline. So our last Madhouse podcast was that Wednesday. James and I say, hey, huge news coming in the coming days. We're not going anywhere. You know, it's going to be us. It's going to be bigger and better than ever. We're going to have more content than you've ever imagined. It's going to be great. Two days later, he can't do it. I'm told I can't do it. And then I leave for two weeks or I leave for a week. Okay. So I think about it. We're driving to Florida. I think by the time we crossed the Indiana border, I'd made up my mind that I was mm. going to join CHGO. Um, so <laughs> they start, they launch that Friday and I'm not there and James isn't there. So Madhouse fans are like, we were sold a bill of goods. You lied to us. So I had to go on from Florida and explain. Meanwhile, I'm still employed at, at WBBM because I gave my two weeks on that set on that the Saturday on that Friday night. No, it was Saturday morning. I gave the two weeks because I knew I wanted my first day to be the trade deadline. Um, so it was just hugely chaotic, but to, a long-winded answer to your question. I was just so impressed by the whole operation at that rehearsal. Um, and obviously their belief in me, which is something I hadn't really heard in my career. Like people thought I was a good producer. People thought I was a decent podcast host, but covering the Hawks full-time was never something that I don't think anyone thought I could do. Um, so to hear that confidence and to hear from Brandon and the, and the folks at uh, All City to be like, we need you to lead our Blackhawks coverage. You are our number one and only choice to do this. To hear that and to know they meant it um, by their aggression, (laughs) you know, by how hard they were coming after me was hugely flattering. And it actually like really boosted my confidence in myself. Um, And it's been great, man. Like every day I, I talk to Greg and Mario and I'm like, is this like, this is our job. This is what we do. Like we get like paid to do this and we talk Hawks and we go to practices and, games and like today i was at kyle davidson's press conference and like had a chat with him after and it's just 
like, this is what I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to do this. And I'm doing it for this new company that really knows what the hell they're doing in the podcast space. Like they've really got a plan. And look, I, I just came from the podcast space. And I think that, and I think people at Odyssey would admit this. they're way behind. They're probably 10 years behind in the digital space because they've been maintaining a ton of radio stations. Right. So they haven't had time to focus on podcasts and digital and all that stuff. So to go from where I was to where I am now, it's like, oh my God. And the growth at CHGO has been great. And it's just, it's really been, it's only, I started March 21st. That was my first day and it's only gotten better. And I couldn't be happier with my decision. How difficult is it to do this without James? Really hard. Um, Aside from being a perfect partner for me, because he just had a uh, energy about him. He had a uh, joy about him all the time. Just, you know, James, he is the greatest dude ever. He's really awesome. He is one of my dear friends. And if you talk to Brandon Spano today, you know, the first thing I said to him is what about James? And that's the truth. Like I did not want to do it without him. Um, so that's been hard. Fortunately, NBC, knowing that they kind of, I don't want to say screwed James, but you know, it is what it is, right? It's business. Knowing that they cost him an opportunity have stepped up and he's been basically full-time on the Blackhawks, Blackhawks talk podcasts with Pat Boyle and Charlie Romeliotis. And he's brought an awesome element to that show. And uh, so it's worked out for both of us, but I mean, I miss that every day. I miss him. Like I miss doing shows with him. Um, Him and I went and grabbed a beer like the week after launch and you know, everything's cool. Like there's no, it just, it, I hate the saying it is what it is, but that truly is what it, and, and he's like, Hey man, like we tried, we did our best and we got to do what's best for our families. And he's like, I don't hold any ill will towards you. And obviously I don't towards him. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very tough to not do it with James. And, and for really like the hardest part was being in Florida for the first week, not being able to go on CHGO the second week. Cause I was still at, at BBM and hearing the feedback and people being pissed and like, there's not a lot I can do or say right now about this. Um, that was really hard, but in the grand scheme of things, it was like two weeks and now it's over and people seem to really like what we're doing with the CHGO Blackhawks podcast and the, the, you know, everything's been good since then. So, um, I, I just, I'm so grateful to the Madhouse audience for, their passion, like as much as it was probably hurting a little bit in the beginning, because people were mad. They felt cheated and lied to. They thought that I had sold out. Um, I get that. And the fact that they cared that much once they, once they got over the anger and realized like, okay, I'm the wool's not being pulled over my eyes. This is legit. He's going to be back. And it just happened the way it happened. Um, that was, I'm, I was surprised to see how, how much that podcast meant to people. And it means a lot to see that so many of them have decided to stay with us. So it's awesome. It's been great. You had a choice between two kind of divergent paths. And it's a, it's, it's a choice that a lot of us, I, I, I'm not sure if, if people who are listening even understand that 
there are a lot of us that are given the choice of, well, you could take some of your ideas and go the management route, or you can still be talent. Mm-hmm. What gave you the confidence to, because being out front is different. You know, it's, yeah. it's a different thing. What gave you the confidence to say, I'm ready for this? Like, the, particularly a, a job where I agree with you, Jay. Like, I feel like you could have ended up being the person in charge of podcasting for Odyssey. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I could see that sliding door world for you opening up. So what made you say, I'm ready for the challenge of being talent? I thought I was really good at talking about the Blackhawks. And when someone else told me I was, that's what it was. Like, friends have an obligation, or at least you can tell yourself, like, friends have an obligation to tell you you're good. Right? Or at least like, oh, man, you're killing it. I've never listened. (laughs) You know what I mean? But for someone from out of town to come to you and say, hey, you are the difference in our Hawks coverage succeeding or not. And honestly, like, you know me, this is very hard to me for me to say he was right. Like if he wanted a Hawks podcast to get off the ground with credibility in Chicago, he needed me. And I knew that. And he knew that. And that is such an out of character thought for me to have that it almost like makes me like itchy to say it. Like it makes me cringe to to say that about myself, but there is not really anyone like me in the space. There's beat writers who all could have done a fine. Like, I'm not saying like Mark Lazarus couldn't have done my job. Of course he could have, but what CHGO is trying to create in this like community of like, it's, it's like a fan community. So I've got this unique, I, I call it, I'm a fanalist, right? Like, I can't pretend like I'm objective. I'm a Blackhawks nut. Everyone knows that. I can't hide that. I'm not going to hide from it. Um, so what they're trying to create at CHGO, and I think they've done a good job of it, fit me perfectly. I was exactly what they needed for that spot. And Mario and Greg are, have, have it too, but I've just been at it longer. Right. And I've had the unfair advantage of being at the score where I've got this 50,000 watt blowtorch pushing my name out there, putting me on the air. I had the privilege of opportunity that they haven't had yet. Right. right? Um, it's not that I'm better at it than they are. That's absolutely not true, but I, I had a more established audience. So hearing that, that faith um, made me believe it in myself, truthfully. And, you know, I, I, Again, I'm so uncomfortable saying this stuff about myself, but I, I do think it's true. Like, I think that I, for the specifically the Blackhawks realm, I'm a very unique, I'm in a very unique space um, of having access, of having trust, of having sources and fans knowing I'm one of them too. How hard is this for you to admit? I hate it. <laughs> like, look, I, I, I know that the Madhouse podcast was good, and I know the I'm Fat podcast is good. I get it. Like, I'm not going to pretend like it's. I, I know I'm, I'm witty. I'm funny sometimes. Like, whatever. But it's different to just like do a one-off podcast for like what I imagine in my head is like my little corner of people. You know, like I mentioned the other podcasts, like just doing hours of inside jokes. Like that's how it feels to me sometimes. But now that I'm on this like 
part of this company in this like major role, um, it feels different, but it is validation that, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And like for the first time ever, I have the real time feedback because mm-hmm. I can see the chat from YouTube and there's people that disagree with me, but it's never like, you don't know what you're talking about or you're an idiot or go back to the score. Like it's all, Hey, I disagree with you on this point, And here's why um, people trust me with the Hawks. And I'm very proud of that. And the other part is too, like, the thing that was the most intimidating for me was starting to go to games and go to practice and be around Laz and powers and Pope and Phil Thompson and John Dietz and all these people who have been grinding away at the beat and just like, whoop, here I am, you know, after all these years of me just being on the periphery, here I am. But the Hawks have been super helpful and welcoming. All the people on the beat have been super kind and welcoming and that to me, that was like the biggest hesitation is God, I'm going to have to go cover practices and stuff. And I, I, I have never been part of that space before. And I always felt sort of, uh, I don't know. I always sort of had guilt about that. Like, Hey, I should be going to practices. Cause I talk about the team so much. I should at least make myself seen. I should have my face out there. So it's a big the music of someone I'm critical of. Uh, it's a hundred percent, a very important thing to not yeah. throw stones and hide your hand. It's, it's one of the things that I feel can separate someone from kind of doing the job versus being accountable for how they're doing the job. So, yeah, right. I, it, and I, and I can imagine that that was probably like a, there's a scary step to take for you. To be like, yeah. oh, I'm not just parachuting in anymore. I'm here now right. every day and super responsible for the stuff that I have to say about the Hawks. But I, you know what, though? I know that I'm fair. I never make it personal. Um, it's just if I think a guy is not playing hard or not playing well, I'm going to say so. And if someone's going to be pissed at me for that, so be it. But I think that I am a very fair analyst when it comes to things and I don't overreact. I don't fake outrage. It's just, you know, like there, there are a few moments this year where Jonathan Taves like really let me down, you know, with the stuff he said after Kyle beach and complaining about the rebuild. And like, it's like, dude, like (laughs) you're the captain of a team that sucks right now. It is what it is. And you were there when the Kyle beach stuff was happening. Like your first thought should not be poor Stan Bowman. That's bad, man. And that's a guy who a lot of people thought like, wow, like Jonathan Taves for a hockey player is like a really high thinker, you know, like he's, he's got some depth to him and he, he dropped the ball several times this year, but I'm not wrong about that. So why should I hide from it? Right. So being, uh, and it's different because now like Greg and Mario mostly cover games because they want me in studio for all the podcasts just to kind of lead the, like drive it and everything but the practices I've been to and stuff, it's a little different because it's not open locker room, mm-hmm. right? They, they bring somebody out and it is what it is, but I'm going to be there, you know, and, I, and it actually makes me now that I've done it like today at the Kyle Davidson thing, I asked two questions. Like I grabbed the mic and asked questions and I'm like, they were good questions. I think that nice long thoughtful response. So I'm in it all of a sudden, like here I am in a minute. And again, like everyone on the beat has been, super cool, super nice, super welcoming. And I think that's a reflection of my work 
you know, like if someone was coming in who had done, who'd been like a hot take artist or more amateurish with their coverage, I don't know if they would be as welcomed as I was. So I think that's another thing that has helped the confidence is the, the, I don't know, embrace is probably a little more dramatic, is a little overstating it, but the fact that I've been welcomed onto the beat very quickly from the team and from the people that have covered it for years. How would you describe where the Blackhawks are as a franchise right now and how fans feel about them right now? I think now the fan feeling is pointing up. I think the organization is pointing up. Um, I've been very impressed with everything Danny Wirtz has said publicly. Um, Jamie Faulkner has been equally as impressive. It's really a shame that that town hall derailed the way it did uh, with Rocky Wirtz's outburst um, because Danny had an answer ready and a good answer ready and a sincere answer ready. And his father stiff armed him and said, shut up. I got this. We're not talking about this. And everything up to that moment had been really good. And I think once that conference ended, everything up to then, everything after then was, was pretty good. Um, I had the chance to talk to Danny privately for about 20 minutes. Uh, and he gets it. Like he understands what needs to change. Um, they're actively looking for ways to change both obviously on the ice, but off the ice as well. Um, it starts with, I think, I don't know if you've been to a game this year, but the land acknowledgement that they do before every game is uh, it gets your attention that when they play it, the audience is quiet. It is uh, respectful. I do think um, that eventually the logo over my shoulder will be no longer. And I think that's probably the right move. Um, but I think that will happen in time. I think they need to find out exactly how to handle that um, because it's going to be a very controversial situation when they do that. Um, but I, I've just been very impressed with Danny Wirtz and Jamie Faulkner. And then um, Kyle Davidson, since he's been named the GM, really impressive. Like to hear his long view for a guy who's 33 years old, um, he knows what it's going to take. And the thing that impressed me most with him was he was asked by, I don't know if it was uh, Scott Powers or Mark Lazarus, like, do you have to sell the rebuild to Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane? He's like, I'm not going to sell him anything. I'm going to tell him, <laughs> I'm going to tell him this is what it is. If you want to be here, cool. If not, we'll do our best to accommodate that. Like he's, He's got no loyalty to that dynasty. And that's what this team needs because Stan Bowman's loyalty to the dynasty is what got them in the situation they're in now. Given Brent Seabrook an eight-year deal when his decline was three years underway and, you know, never, never, you know, always paying people what they're worth or more. You look at Pittsburgh and Boston, the reason those two teams are still in the playoffs and so competitive is because their star players took a little less to stay home. Bowman set this team back big time and Kyle Davidson has a big mess to clean up, but based on what he said over the last two or three weeks, I have a lot of faith that he is, is it might not work, but his plan is sound. 
the fact that he brought in Jeff Greenberg from the Cubs to be an analytical mind and to develop a literal system, like a physical computer system of analysis that's never been done before in hockey. He's a forward thinker. He's a guy who wants to bring in people with different ideas and different skill sets. That's what a good manager does. And going back to my job at WBBM, when I had to hire two producers, I said, okay, I'm good at the administrative. What do I need help with? And the two I hired, Jill and Lauren, filled those gaps. And the three of us made a great team. That's what it is supposed to be. That is what a manager is supposed to do, is lead the team of of however many and make sure all your gaps are filled and everything's covered. And that's how you build a successful team. So it seems like that's what Kyle Davidson's doing. So we'll see. I, I have... I feel better about the direction of the team now than I have in a long time. Is it wrong for me to kind of like Derek King? No, he's awesome. I he I is, really like him. Yeah, he he is such just a genuine down earth. Um, he's just a dude, like a guy you could just drink a beer with. Honestly, we had him at the CHGO studios a few weeks ago. Could not have been nicer. Just what you see on TV is what you get. You know, self deprecating. Uh, cracking jokes. He, what I liked about him too, was look, here's a guy with an interim tag on his name saying like, here's a couple things this year that I did that I think I screwed up. Like, I, you know, I I'm learning, I'm learning on a job and and, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have done this with this player. That's unheard of for a coach to say, here's a specific mistake I made while he's the interim that, I mean, that, that talks to the, speaks to the character of Derek King and, uh, couldn't be a nicer guy. And, you know, the three of us on CHGO Blackhawks have sort of said, Hey, like, why not give him a year or two, see what he can do with these young players. He's got the right disposition for young guys, right? He's positive. He's funny. You know, he's, you know, the slap and tickle, like he'll, he can be tough, but then he'll make a smile afterwards. Um, I don't think he's going to get the job. It doesn't feel like it just based on what Kyle Davidson's had to say lately, but I'm rooting for him, man. And I hope if, they do go a different direction that he would consider staying in the organization, either as an assistant or as going back to Rockford as a head coach. Cause I think he's a really good person to have in your organization one way or another. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app, get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for four 99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or seven up all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's it like for you to have gone through like this drought? Like as a fan, you go through a drought leading up to what I've dubbed Blackhawks Camelot, you know, starting in 2009. Yeah. To to then see Kane, Taves, Keith, Seabrook, Bufflin, Crawford, to see all those guys succeed, right? Yeah. And then see the basically the entire lifespan of Camelot with the Blackhawks. Yeah. What's it been like to see it from nothing to the height to wow? to scandal, to uh, like, uh, it's, it's done every bit of, <laughs> yeah. of evolution throughout these last 13 years. 
Yeah. Uh, boy, the scandal thing I kind of want to address separately because it's let's we'll do on ice first. Um, a lot of people look at the birth of the dynasty as Taves and Kane arriving. And it makes a lot of sense, right? They came the same year. They're rookies the same year. Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith are the first two cogs of this dynasty. And there were days when they were playing for the Blackhawks where we would look at each other and say, these guys can't play. Mm. They don't know what they're doing. They can't get out of their own way. Duncan Keith is tiny. He's never going to be an elite defenseman. Um, there were a lot of nights like that. And what Hawks fans need to realize, new Hawks fans need to realize is Kane and Taves are not the norm. Like having guys jump from junior or college straight to the NHL and be stars immediately does not happen. Then you also had the same thing kind of happen with Brandon Saad. He came right up and was good right away. So all these years, like all these guys, like just kind of popped up and were good right away. Keith and Seabrook are how players develop. So to see them go from, you know, like the first scene of Bambi, like where Bambi can't walk and like the legs are real weak to two of the all-time pillars of the franchise. And then to see their decline, like all happen within a span of like 13 years, 14 years. It, it's like, I hate to say it's awesome, but it is because you really got to see from birth, not to be dramatic, but from birth to death of, of that dynasty. And, you know, you knew you started to have something with Keith and Seabrook. And then remember Tuomo Rutu, who was, uh, his career was, I, w- I would say he was never able to reach his potential because of injuries. Um, and then you see him and then you get some hope and then, and then Taves and Kane come and you're like, okay, if these guys are good, you know, we could really be talking about a, a good Hawks team. And then they're both great. They're both instant hall of famers. You know, they're both named to the uh, 100th year team of the top 100 players of all time. Then you go sign Marion Hosa. Right. Hosa shows up and that right, changes like, the whole damn and, thing. And, and so the Hosa thing, like, for that dude to want to play here. Remember the two years before Hosa signed, he was cup chasing. He signed with Pittsburgh and they lost in the finals to Detroit. Then he signed with Detroit and they lost in the finals to Pittsburgh. And there's this picture of Hosa after the Red Wings got eliminated by Pittsburgh of him just sitting on the ice with his back against the boards, just dejected. So for him to that summer after playing the Hawks in the Western conference final, say this is the if i want a cup this is the team i have to join and to do it long term sign a huge contract a long contract and then win three like that signing was oh my god we're not crazy because i think you always have the like you know as fans you're like our team's awesome they're going to be great and you probably overvalue but when you see a dude of that caliber at the peak of his powers who could take any team he wants Anybody wants Marion Hosa for him to say, I want to play in Chicago. That to me was like the moment where I realized, oh my God, this is for real. This is something I never thought I would see in my lifetime. It's been since 1961 that they won a cup and they're trading Ronick and Chelios and Belfour and all like, there was just no hope. And then all of a sudden 
you get a couple picks hit right, more than a couple, a lot of picks hit right, and then you get the key free agent, and then other guys want to come here, and then you're adding dudes at the deadline. Like, it was just amazing. And now to see it fall off again, it's weird because I'm actually kind of excited now because I want to see what's next. I want to, I want this to happen again, right? I want to see if Alex Vlasic becomes the next Brent Seabrook, right? Maybe it's unlikely. I don't know. I want to see if Alex Dabrinka can score 50 goals and lead this team to the next Stanley Cup. I want to see if Kirby Doc ever becomes the number one center. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'm here for it. I'm here for the ride because last time it paid off and it probably won't pay off in three Stanley Cups again, but it makes you feel like when you see it happen from start to finish that it can happen again at least once or twice in my lifetime. So I, I like rebuilds. They're painful night to night, but to see the development and, and now to know there's a guy who seems to have a pretty uh, decent thought on how it should go running things, is, it's really encouraging. So I like rebuilds, man. I'm here for it. It's, t- it's well overdue. They should have started this in 2017, but now they're finally doing it. So let's go. How do you, how have you learned to reconcile your love for the game and the franchise with some of the problems that the game and specifically this franchise had with the sexual assault of Kyle Beach? Yeah. Um, It's so it's funny. I talked about this the other night on, on the podcast. Like if Stan Bowman had not been let go and Alma Kaiser had not been let go, I probably would have given up the Madhouse podcast. I probably would have pulled the plug. I, w- I would have been done as a fan. I needed some sort of consequence for what happened. And I got it. Bowman air quotes resigned, but we all know it was like resign or we'll fire you whatever you want to call it. It's the same thing. Um, uh, That kept me going. I was still very pissed and very hurt. And it's hard for me now to look at the guys that were there, the leaders of that team, Taves and Kane and, and Seabrook and Keith. It's hard for me to look at them with the same reverence I did before, because from all reports, Kyle Beach was being bullied on the ice, being called homophobic slurs, being, you know, bullied and ridiculed and everything that, my God, this is a teammate. And you talk about, this is another of my things with Taves. It's like, for a guy who's been called the best leader in hockey for a decade, it's a catastrophic failure from him. And when I was 23, would I have handled things right? No. But here he had the chance at age 34 mm. to say, this happened under my watch. I was happy to take all the praise when I succeeded as a captain. I failed Kyle Beach as a captain. And it's something that I have to wear for the rest of my life. And it's something I'm sorry for. It's, it's very easy to say. And if that's what you mean, and if that's what's in your heart, like, look, man, there's stuff I did as a, as a, in high school and grade school that I still, I still wrestle with. Right. But I'm a different person now I've grown. I've, I've evolved and I'm sure Jonathan Taves has too, but again, for his first response to be, you know, it's unfair that Stan Bowman's career is just over like that. What? 
And like, I know you've got a relationship with that guy, right? He's been your GM for the last decade. And he was around the team for a decade before that. Like Sam Bowman's been part of the Hawks forever, but for that to be your first thought and you knew the questions were coming, I don't know that, that really disappointed me. And, and, you know, again, being 23 is really, really young and you do some dumb stuff at that age, especially if you're a millionaire, you know what I mean? Like, and you, and I also think too, of like youth sports culture. And I see it just coaching my daughter's softball games that the kids that are stars are treated like stars by adults. And, you know, the best softball players in Eddie's league have parents like treat them like celebrities. These are 12 U girls, right? Now think about Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, who probably by the age of 13 or 14 knew they were going to be pro hockey players in men's sports, which are obviously the, the audience is bigger and more toxic and all those things. And these kids, these guys, these kids grew up as celebrities. So their, their maturity is probably a little bit stunted because they've never really had to overcome I don't know, like adversity or being challenged by an adult on something. Does that make sense? I don't know if I'm hundred percent. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, adults would always sort of defer to people like, you know, Oh, let's give him a break. He's a great hockey player. You know, Oh, look at that. There's Jonathan Taves. He's going to be a pro someday. Like, ah, you know, if, if they received the kind of treatment that normal kids do, maybe it'd be a little more mature in that situation. I don't know. You know, I don't know him personally. I just, all I know is, I was extremely disappointed by specifically him because I, I held him to a higher standard than some of the other guys. And again, with those plaudits as best captain ever, you know what, when you get that for a decade, then you've got to wear it when you fail. And he failed in 2010 and he failed again this year when he had a chance to, to take some ownership of it. And look, even if, even if he didn't know, if he truly didn't know this was happening, which let's suspend disbelief and say, okay, he didn't know. Right. Cause there's the opportunity of like, guys don't like to talk about stuff. That's uncomfortable. We know that like we work at the score and like, Oh, you hear about this? Like, yeah, ugh, gross. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. Right. I don't want to talk about it. Even if that's the case, the failure in his captaincy is, is not knowing or not doing more. And um, you know, I, if he'd have worn that a little bit this year, I think everybody would be like, understandable. You know, I'm glad you said something now. And I'm glad you said you're sorry now, but you know, he had to, he failed when he had the chance. And then the next day he sort of went back and was like, Hey, I was a little insensitive. Like, okay, well now you got coaching. Right. So it's not as sincere and it disappointed me, but that it's just a reminder that all these guys are human. They're just human. They're just athletes. He can just put the puck in the net. He's not a philosopher. You know, it's just, we, we held, we hold athletes to these high standards and maybe they're unfair. And that maybe that's something I need to look at myself for more than him. I don't know, but yeah, it was definitely tough to reconcile. And I have to confess, like, as time has gone on, I've been kind of a little like, eh, I've forgotten about it a little bit. And I have to remind myself that that happened and that was real. And, and what happened to Kyle beach really happened to Kyle beach. And mm-hmm. um, he should be praised for his bravery to go on TV and put a face to that abuse. Um, especially, you know, when he didn't have to, he could have been John Doe one for the rest of his life, but for him to, to 
own up to that and not own up to it. Like he did anything wrong, but to, to put a face on it and say, this was me, this happened to a real person. And here's what happened to me because of it. Incredibly brave. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's really commendable. It's really hard to do. Unfortunately, I've never been anything through any through, through anything like Kyle beach was. So I don't know, but I don't know. It's, it's inspiring to see what he did and hopefully he gets some peace from this. What's it like now for you to be living out your dream? I don't know if it's hit me yet. I don't know if it has, uh, it doesn't really feel real quite yet. Um, it started to like when we were at games in the press box, you know, that was, that was different. Um, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't know if it's hit me yet. Um, it's only been what, like month and a half. <laughs> um, but like I said earlier, like every day, I wake up, I'm like, here we go. I'm going to go talk about the Hawks for a living. I'm going to go do my passion project for a living. Not a lot of people get to do that. You know, it's musicians and artists that have success are able to do that. Like a lot of people do it on the side because they love it. I get to do what I love and get paid for it and and get paid more than I ever thought I would uh, to do it. You know, and that's, um, it's something that's not quite sunk in yet, but every day is it's getting there, you know? It's starting to get there. So, uh, so far it's wonderful. And I forgot to mention this, like when I was talking to Brandon, he's like, why are you so hesitant? Not like pressuring me, but just curious. Like I found a lot of hesitance from the people in Chicago about this. So I told him about Webio and he's like, oh, I hadn't heard of that, you know? So, <laughs> so he looks, so he, he looks it up and then that we talk again the next day, he's like, now I understand why you're, why you're all gun shy. He's like, I don't know if I should be offended that you all think this is what, what I do. <laughs> but he's like, I can assure you, this is not that. He's like, we've been in Denver since 2013. We just expanded the Phoenix. We're expanding to Chicago. Like, this is not a Ponzi scheme. I promise you that. But I'm like, <laughs> we are all, all of us are scarred from Webio, man. And he, he did not know. And he had to go look up like the whole Webio thing. And he's like, okay, now I get why everyone I talk to in Chicago of a certain age is like, I'm not leaving my job for something new. Nope. Never, never, never. Um, so that was funny, but yeah, I know that uh, I am as, as Molly says every morning, I'm living a dream, man. I really am. Well, congratulations on all of this, Jay. I'm so happy for you. Like it's God, I, <laughs> I, I swear that the the amount of feet that I've had to put in the backside of both you and Herb Lawrence to, <laughs> to try and yeah. convince you guys that you're talent, like you've been sitting behind boards. I'm like, you guys are talent. Just go well, be talent. You got you got people who don't believe that um, ever present, and that that pushes it down, right? Like, oh, well, these people don't think I'm talented, so I guess I'm not. Yeah. You know, um, I just, you know, I want to thank you, too, because you've always been a mentor to me. But I was, like, sort of, <laughs> I have, like, the Twitter DMs to you or the text or whatever. And I'm just, like, talking it out with you. And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, well, that sounds good, uh-huh. And I think you said something like, well, I think you have your answer. 
I'm like, that's not what I want to hear. I want you to tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> you need to make this decision for me. But you talked me through it. And uh, it was very helpful. It was very helpful. So I appreciate it. And I'll, I always, like, you know, from life stuff and work stuff, you've always been, you've always been there for me. So I appreciate it. And uh, you've always been one of my biggest supporters. So thank you. You're more than welcome. I'm happy to see the success that you and CHGO are having and what what Brandon said was spot on. He could not have put together a Blackhawks podcast in this city without you being on it. It would have been a huge mistake. And I'm glad that he didn't make that mistake because it allowed you to get out in front and I think it it allowed CHGO to get onto good ground with Chicago. Like that Yeah. That's that's significant. Like that's understanding the market and understanding where you were going to find listenership and the Madhouse's subscriber list is more valuable than gold. You know, yeah. <laughs> like like the, the the fans of that podcast are just so rabid because you you really had dipped into this space where there wasn't. I think it's kind of dope, man. I'm really proud of you and I'm I'm glad that all of this is working out. Thank you. I appreciate that. Big congratulations to Jay on what he has accomplished now and really putting a foothold in Chicago sports as the go-to guy for Blackhawks coverage. I'm glad that he's now going to be in the dressing room more often. I'm a big proponent of you need to be there. And there's a couple of reasons why. I was talking with my students about this a couple weeks ago. It's easy for all of us to have opinions on things, just like anyone else, to look at something that happens in a game and be like, man, that's really silly or not understand what a coach is doing or why they put that player in, not understanding why a manager went with that particular strategy when it seemed like there was another one that that was a smarter way to go. I believe that being there, even if it's, you don't have to, you, you should be there every day if you can, but you don't have to be there every day. But being there when you can and being inside of locker rooms and clubhouses gives you more depth in your coverage. It also allows for people to get at you. And you may end up getting a better understanding of situations because you're there. Arguments happen. People sometimes want to scream at you, and that's okay, too. But being in there gives you insight. You can – I was explaining to my students that you can report without asking a question. Unless I have something really pressing that I want to ask someone specifically, when I show up to locker rooms now, or clubhouses now, I'm usually just a fly on the wall. I want to catch a vibe. I want to understand. I'll listen in 
to press conferences. I want to know how questions are asked. I want to know how people respond to those questions. I don't, I don't necessarily have to ask questions, but I'm there. And if there is something that I don't quite understand or I don't think the way that I would ask a question was asked, then I step up. Jay is now in the room. And being in the room and being able to grab a player and find out where they're at is really, really valuable. It makes you a more well-rounded host, a more well-rounded reporter. And CHGO already, like in hiring Jay, they already had someone who had a depth of knowledge and an ability to share that knowledge in a way that is unique. And now you add in, he will be there with even more information. It makes Jay, as as my man Moon Mullen would say, a dangerous man. And I mean that in the best way. It, it puts him, it allows him to compete with people that do a great job of of covering the Hawks, like Mark Lazarus and Scott Powers. Like there's a there's value in him being in the room. And I'm glad that he's getting this opportunity and that CHGO has given him this opportunity. That's the sauce of the the interview right there. Aurelio's it's the sauce. Aurelios.com. We I'm so happy that it's real. Look, anyone that advertises with House of L, I'm happy with. But to be able to have something that is so uniquely Lawrence on this show is a treat. And I've got that with Aurelio. So I love their pizza. I hope that you love their pizza too. You should go get, you should order some tonight. Homewood, old oven, trust, trust. It's going to be delicious. And if you have a young one or maybe you're looking for a part-time job, I know that Aurelio's is hiring. So Aurelio's.com, hit them up. Maybe if you're looking for a little part-time work, why not work at a great place like Aurelio's? Big thanks to Jay Zawoski. I don't, I don't know if even I expressed how happy I am to see him in this space and being given this opportunity. And I I just know he's going to crush it because that's how he rolls. Blackhawks fans are lucky to have that guy as an advocate for the sport. And now with him doing more expanded coverage and it being his job every day, man, that's just dope. So big up to him and big up to CHGO for uh, giving him the opportunity and recognizing the skills. We'll have another great guest coming up next week. And Sports Adjacent guys continue to put out incredible content. I'm telling you, you got to check them out. Those boys are, they some wild boys, as they would say. Feel me? You understand me? As Tony Gill would say, I didn't do it as well. They got another episode coming out this week. So I will talk to you next week.
Peace.